asking Pastor Larry to come up and give us a sermon. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Stealing the thunder away from Frank, who's going to give his testimony today. He's going to work at it. Don't everybody get up and leave at once. I don't have a a uh, before and after story as such because I've always been in church my throughout my life. My father was licensed to preach in a missionary Baptist church in Tennessee, and unfortunately he got drafted and he was in the army and he lost his life when I was 15 months old so he didn't get a chance to have a church and preach but my mother had me in church all the time when I was growing up went to RA camp church camp uh, Bible school you name it and she had me in in there I guess to keep me out of trouble I don't know but anyway as as a 10 year old boy (coughs) during Bible school the plan of salvation was presented to us and at that point in time, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I was baptized. And uh, in 1961, went to Glorietta to work, and I met this very, very attractive young lady. And uh, we kind of hung out together for a while, and she went home after six weeks, and I went home after the end of the summer. And we wrote back and forth, and for some reason, I ended up down in Bakersfield going to college. And in 1963, we got married. And so I guess when I fell in love at 17 at Glorietta, it worked out because we'd been married 58 years two months ago. (laughs) And we moved up here, and we were looking for a church, or she was. I was working Sundays at the job I worked at, and she had gone to some various churches. And she ended up here one, one Sunday. And she came home and said that she thought this was the church for us because there was a guy there that was just as goofy as I was. And that was Art Moon. And so Art's the reason that we are in this church today. And uh, he and I had a lot of fun through 30, 40 years till the Lord called him home. Now, before I go, if there's anybody in the congregation that doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I suggest you ponder it and take care of business because... Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow we don't know if we're here. And today is only, only guaranteed right now. And so where will you spend eternity? All right, now we'll welcome up Pastor Larry. It's always great to hear the testimonies, isn't it? To hear what, uh, the stories, people's stories, their life stories, and how God has worked in their life, and, and the beautiful wife God has given you. And uh, Speaking of beautiful wives, uh, we want to thank you, my wife Tess, and I want to thank you guys for the beautiful uh, uh, fellowship last night for our second anniversary. It was so, man, way, beyond, way more than we expected. And uh, also your g- very generous um, gift. A Visa gift uh, card that was so generous of you all. So thank you so much. We really, really appreciate that. I want to pray this morning. I know uh, Terry is going to have an operation tomorrow on his leg. Uh, Had an accident, and he uh, is going to be in Palo Alto at Stanford Hospital. So we want to pray for Terry uh, this morning. He'll be having an operation. Uh, So let's, let's bow in prayer, shall we? Father, we want to pray right now for Terry as he's going down there tonight and uh, 
you know, to prepare, and then operation is tomorrow. So we just pray that you guide the Holy Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, guide the doctor. Um, we just pray that everything goes perfectly well, Lord. Just give him uh, precision in what he does, the doctor, give him wisdom, give him skill, and, um, you know, help Terry's, uh, you know, body to, to, uh, to accept everything very well. And you, we just pray for total success, please, on this operation uh, for Terry tomorrow, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're welcome. Amen, everyone. So, yeah, we're in the second week of Advent already. And, and thank you, uh, uh, Joyce, and all those who have put the decorations, the Christmas decorations. Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You know, we're, we're getting ready in just a few short weeks to celebrate anticipating the celebration of our Savior. And, uh, you know, the God who created the universe and everything in it. The God who is our maker. The God who created the heavens above and the stars in the sky sent His Son to be born of a virgin. He looked down upon us, whom He created, to communicate with us. The creator of the heavens that declare his glory above communicated to us. The God who created the earth that's filled with his glory communicated to us. You know, Teddy Roosevelt is one of the greatest presidents, I think so anyway, that we've had as a nation. This is back in about 1900, a little after that. Teddy Roosevelt was a regular admirer of God's creation on, in the heavens and on earth. Teddy Roosevelt was responsible for the creation of many of our national parks and national monuments. He loved the outdoors and he loved God's creation and he wasn't shy about saying so. In his uh, first inaugural address, again, this was back in like in the middle of, the, uh, 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 I'm sorry, the beginning of 1900s, in his first inaugural address, he wasn't shy about telling the nation where he got his direction and, um, and how he prayed. And he says it like this. He said, I reverently invoke my guidance, for my guidance, the direction and favor of Almighty God. And he used to like to bring, you know, when he had diplomats come to the White House, he used to like to bring them to the, uh, uh, the back lawn of the White House when the sun went down. And they would... He would, he would gaze at all the grandeur of the, the, the stars. You know, it was a lot different than today because they didn't have the city lights that dim it like they do today. So it was just a magnificent display of the stars in the sky. And, and he would just be looking up there. And the diplomats that were with him would kind of look at him looking up. And they started looking up, so they're all looking up. <laughs> and after a long moment, he says, Gentlemen, I think we're small enough now. Let's go to bed. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great? See, God communicates through the heavens above. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. God communicates to us. And he communicated to Mary. Not, out, not from the heavens, but like we heard last week, from the angel Gabriel. You remember? Angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to give birth to the Holy One who would be called the Son of God. 
And Mary was so excited. She was so excited about this that she, 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 she started to sing a song. She started to sing a song that has come down through the century of the church to be one of the, most, one of the greatest songs in the church history. And it's called the Magnificat. The Magnificat, we're going to read in just a moment, if you have a Bible, you might want to get ready, Luke chapter 1, where Mary sings this song of praise to God because God was going to was communicate to mankind through his son, and she, she gives, sings praise to God, and praise is what we should give as well. So let's go ahead and read before I continue. Read, we're going to read Luke chapter 1. Verses 39 to 56. And as you're turning there, if you're able and willing, if you uh, stand with me and we'll read the word of God together. Luke 1, verses 39 to 56. And it says this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of the greeting reached Mary, reached uh, my ears, she says, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has, blessed, who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Now here comes Mary's song. And Mary said, my soul praises the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Even as he said to our fathers, and Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and returned. Amen. You may be seated. May God's word be blessed this morning. Amen. Mary, Mary was singing a song of praise to God, and praise is what we should give as well. Praise, give praise to the Lord. By the way, don't forget there's an outline in the back of your building if you'd like to fill that out. But give praise to the Lord. Give Him thanks, give Him recognition, give Him adoration, give praise. Give praise to the Lord. Give Him, give him praise, give Him worship, and bless Him. He deserves it. You know, when you do that, when you give praise to God, your heart is in the right place, isn't it? Your heart is in the right place. Your heart, you have the right perspective. 
Just like after gazing at the stars, when, when, when the president, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, gazed at the stars, he was getting the right perspective. You see, we need that. We need that. We need to have the Lord high and lifted up. We need to recognize his power and his majesty. We need to have the right perspective to understand who God truly is. To give him praise with all of our heart. So how are we to praise him then? We're going to look at two things this morning. We're going to look at two ways. First of all, we're going to look at how we're to praise him. And then secondly, we'll look at what we're to praise him for. So first... We're to praise him with all your heart. Don't praise him with half your heart. Don't praise him with no heart at all. Praise him with all your heart. Give him praise. You know, when King David first became the king, official king of Israel, he captured Jerusalem. And he brought to Jerusalem the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was simply a box uh, that was lined with gold, and in the box was the Ten Commandments. But this was a very significant uh, 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 item for the nation of Israel. This uh, symbolized God's presence. And so the ark was in the right place. It was in the city of Israel. And David gathered together all of his uh, musicians and his singers. And, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, David and all of Israel began celebrating before God with all their might. Why? Jerusalem had been conquered. The ark was present. God had blessed David mightily, and they were going to mightily praise him. Praise him with all your heart. You know, the Bible says it this way. Psalms verse, chapter 9, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord with all your heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Thank you. Praise him. With all of our heart. Now, when you do that, when you praise Him with all your heart, you have the right perspective. Your heart is in the right place and you're worshiping in the right way. And when you have the right perspective, the right heart, the right worship, there's no room for wrong thinking. See that? That's where God wants our minds to be. That's where he wants our hearts to be, uh, aligned with him, the right perspective, praising him, praising him with all of our hearts, and praising him with a heart of joy. Praising him with a heart of joy. Mary was overjoyed when the angel made this announcement to her that she was going to give birth. Look at verse 39. He says this, at that time. Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah. What time? When the, the time the angel made the announcement. She got ready. She hurried up. She got ready. She was going to make this trip to, to see her relative Elizabeth. The, 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 the angel told her, you know, here she is. She's a virgin. She's going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. She was going to give birth to a son, and she was going to name him Jesus. But if that miracle wasn't enough, Elizabeth, who was her relative, way beyond childbearing age, it was called, who was called, uh, who was said to be barren, was now in her sixth month with child. She's expecting. 
So Mary got ready, and she hurried up, and she was going to go see. She was going to go verify. She was going to go talk to, 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 to Elizabeth. And this was no small trip. This was no short trip. This is about a four or five-day trip for Mary. So she gets, she gets ready, and she, she, she makes her way uh, to Elizabeth's house. And who's there? you got Zechariah, the husband. He, he's a, he answers the door. You remember from last week, now, Zechariah couldn't talk. Remember? He was still mute. He couldn't say, hello, Mary. He probably just, <laughs> you know, motion with his hand, come on in. And Mary sees Elizabeth. And what does she do? She gives her, with joy in her face, excitement in her voice, she gives her a greeting. And the moment she gives Elizabeth this greeting, something astonishing happens. The baby in her womb leaps. And the Bible, when it uses the word leap, it's talking about leaping for joy. And, 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 and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary came to witness Elizabeth's joy of being with child, and she came to share her joy, the news of her joy with Elizabeth. This was such an anointed time that the, of, of the Holy Spirit that the baby inside Elizabeth, the, the little baby inside Elizabeth, God moved the little baby with his little brain and his little body to leap huh? inside Inside the womb of Elizabeth. Just like, just like the crippled man that Peter saw when he went into the temple, outside the door of the temple of Jerusalem was a crippled man. Peter said, in the name of Jesus, I heal you. What did he do? Acts chapter 3, verse 8. The crippled man, when he was healed, the first thing he did, went inside the temple. It says he was walking and leaping and praising God. He was leaping. That's what God, that's what, that, you know, that's what we should be experiencing with God's love and God's work in our life. Praising him with all our heart, with joy in our heart, like the baby in the womb of Elizabeth. He wants us to, to, to want to leap. Now, some of us might not be able to leap it's like we used to, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but we can leap in our heart. We can leap in our heart. And that's what God wants us to do. That's the joy that he wants you to have. That's the joy that he wants you to show. That's the joy that Mary came to share with Elizabeth. Praising God with all of her heart. With all of her heart. Because there's so much to praise God. There's so much to be joyful. So much about God to be joyful about. So much about him to be joyful about. He wants us to know the fullness of his joy, to praise him with the fullness of our hearts. You know, the joy of the Lord is much, so much greater than the joy of the world. The joy that the world has to offer. C.S. Lewis talked about this in a sermon he once gave. The difference between earthly desires and the joy of the Lord. And he said it this way. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an, like an ignorant child, we want to go on making mud pies in the slum 
when the infinite, uh, it's mud pies in the slump because we can't imagine what it's meant to, to have an offer of a holiday at the sea. We're fooling around with mud pies. We're too, he goes, he goes this way, we are too easily pleased. We are too easily pleased. The Bible, God wants us to, to have joy in his presence. Psalm 1611, in his presence is the fullness of joy. Let his spirit fill you through a heart that's open to obey him, experiencing his love and filled with his joy. Christians shouldn't be uh, thought of as people that walk around with frown on their faces. Do what my wife Therese tells her third grade class, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> Joy, that's what it is. Joy is our witness. Did you know that? Joy is our witness. Psalm 32, verse 11. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous. Shout for joy, all of you, upright in heart. That's what Elizabeth did. As soon as Mary entered and gave her the greeting, what did she did? She shouted for joy. The Bible says it right there. She said it with a loud voice. She said it with a loud voice. When, 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 she, when, when, when Mary ended, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. So we're to praise God with all of our heart, a heart, a heart of joy and a heart of faith. A heart of faith. Elizabeth exclaimed to Mary, and she blessed her because of her faith. Verse 45. Verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord said he will do, that he will accomplish it. She was blessing her because of her faith. She blessed her because she believed the promise. Not only did she believe the promise that she would be miraculously with child, she believed the promise that this child would be the Messiah. And they'd been waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah. That's why Elizabeth said, how favored I am, how, how favored I am that the mother of my Lord would come to me. Elizabeth knew who this baby was going to be. This was the Messiah. The Messiah would be born through the Virgin Mary. She believed that promise. You know, the, God's word is filled with promises. Did you know that? God's word is filled with promises. And how do we receive those promises? We receive them by faith. All of God's promises are received by faith. The greatest, command, the greatest promise of all is the promise of eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's received by faith. Whoever believes, it's received by faith. All of God's promises are received by faith. Give praise to the Lord with a heart of faith just like Mary, you know, when Mary sings this song, it reveals with a faith that's in her heart. Verse 46. Verse 46 begins the song of the Magnificat. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. The word glorify there means to, in the Greek, means to declare great, to extol, to enlarge, or to magnify. The King James says it this way, my soul magnifies the Lord. Do you know what the word magnify is in the Latin? Magnificat. Magnificat. 
This is a magnificent, magnifying the Lord is extolling him. It's praising him. It's showing his greatness. It's putting God in the proper perspective. Just like Roosevelt, when he looked up at that starry sky, was finding the right perspective and the right place. With a heart of faith. You know, Mary, Mary shows her faith and she shows by what's in her mind when she creates this song inspired by the Holy Spirit because this song is filled with God's word. Mary knew God's word. And she knew it very well. She hid it in her heart. You say, how do you get a faith? How do you, how do you get filled with faith? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. If you want a, a, a faith that's a heart that's filled with faith, fill it with his word. Hide your word in his heart and, and, and believe its promises. That's what Mary did. That's what Mary did. As a matter of fact, this song, oh, yes, this song that she sings comes from an old, uh, old Testament story, scripture that Mary knew about a woman by the name of Hannah. I'm sure many of you know her name. Hannah was barren. She was unable to have a child. So she went to the tabernacle. That's what they had at that time, a tent meeting. That was a house of worship at that time where the priests lived, where the priest um, presided over the worship. His name was Eli. And Hannah prayed for a son. Now, the, now, here's the thing. Eli looked over at her. This is outside the temple. He looked at her, and he looked at her again, and her, her mouth was moving because she was praying, but he didn't know. There were no words coming out. So he thought, well, this lady's had about a little bit too much wine. <laughs> he thought she was drunk. And then Hannah, Hannah, Hannah talks to him. She says this, no, 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 my Lord. 1 Samuel, verse 15, verse, uh, chapter 1, says, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish. And then Eli spoke to her. Eli spoke, 1 Samuel 1, 17, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And the Lord did. And the Lord did grant her a son. And she named him Samuel. The word Samuel means God hears. God answered her prayer. God answered her prayer. And she sang a song of praise. Later on, she sang a song of praise with a heart of faith, faith to the God of grace who granted her the son that she requested. Mary in the Magnificat takes the pattern of her song from Hannah. If you compare the two, you'll see it. 1 Samuel chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. Mary's song of the Magnificat came from God's word. Because she knew it so well. And she was singing it. 
She was singing a song of praise that she patterned after God's word. Not only did she pattern the song after God's word, she patterned her life hmm? after God's word. Amen. And so should we. Amen. And so should we. She was praising, praising, uh, giving praise with all of her heart. So how are we to praise the Lord? We're to praise him with all our heart, a heart of joy and a heart of faith. And second, not only are we to praise him with all of our heart, but what are we to praise him for? We're to praise him for his greatness. Verse 49, I'm back in Luke 1 now. Verse 49, Mary is singing to the Lord. And she says this, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. The mighty one. Who is the mighty one? That is, God is not only the mighty one, he's the almighty one. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Praise him for his greatness. He is great. He is holy. He is to be feared. With awesome respect. You know it says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. God's greatness is to be feared. His greatness. His holiness. His judgment against our sin is to be feared. It's important to have the right perspective. The biblical understanding of who God is to grow in a biblical relationship with God. He is, yes, he is all loving. God is all loving. We know this. He is also all holy. And because he is all holy, he must punish sin. He must, if it were not for the blood of Jesus Christ, we could not even enter into God's presence. But, but if we accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for the payment of our sin, if we put our faith in him, then we have peace with the God who made us through the son he sent to save us. Amen. Jesus came to bring us peace with God. We praise him. Because we understand who he is. Now, who he is. Now, a lot of people have a misunderstanding about God, especially when we talk about Christmas time. A lot of people think God is kind of like Santa Claus. Okay, they they kind of think God is like Santa Claus. You know, I teach third grade. I, I'm a substitute teacher for third grade. And uh, this last week, a couple of little third grade boys, I overheard them arguing about Santa Claus. Is he really real? <laughs> One boy says he's he's. He's not real. Santa Claus is not real. The other boy says, he is too. I, I heard him. I heard him when he came. First boy said, no, you, that was just somebody trying to break in your house. <laughs> ah, misperceptions of God. You know, Christian Smith, Arthur Christian Smith wrote a book called Soul Search. And he says this about the misperceptions people have today in the church and in the culture about who God is. He says most young evangelicals believe in what could be best described as the Santa Claus God. Okay. 
He said, this is a God who wants us to be nice. He rewards the good and withholds from the naughty. A God who just wants us to be happy and for the most part is uninvolved with our lives. He says, this Santa Claus God is like a, the, the um, obese, jolly toy maker who works one day a year. Okay, that's a total misperception, isn't it? It's a misperception of who God really is. The God of the Bible is, is much greater than today's church or culture perceive him to be. The God of the Bible is not the Santa Claus God. <laughs> he's a God who is omnipresent. That means he's in all places. He's all holy. And he is to be feared with awesome respect. With awesome respect. He is great and he is greatly to be praised. Psalm 41, Psalm 48, verse 1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We're to praise him for his greatness. Praise him for his greatness. Praise him for his great justice. His great justice. He is all powerful. He is all just. And this is what Mary sings about. Look at verse 51 and 52. She sings about his justice. And she says this, he has, perform, uh, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. And he has lifted up the humble. He has brought, he's scattered the proud. Now the proud that Mary is singing about here is pride of arrogance, pride of haughtiness, pride of big-headedness. Nebuchadnezzar was a man like that. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was a man like that who exploited, who oppressed, who manipulated those under him for his own gain. And one day, you know, he captured the people of Jerusalem, Judah, and he brought them into captivity in, in Babylon. And one day, Daniel chapter 4 tells us, he was walking on top of the roof of his palace. And he was looking out all his kingdom of, uh, kingdom of Babylon. And he said these words, Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, he says this. He says, or verse, uh, yes, he says, Is not this great Babylon, is this not the great Babylon that I have built? As, as a royal residence by my power and my glory and my majesty. Might be just a little bit arrogant on that side. <laughs> and while he was speaking, God didn't waste any time. While he was speaking, a voice came down from heaven and said this, verse 31. The words were still, still on his lips when a voice came down from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Your royal authority is taken from you, taken from you. You will be driven away from the people and will live with wild animals and will eat grass like cattle. And that did happen. Seven years. Seven years eating grass like cattle. He lost his sanity because of his arrogance, because of his pride. God's justice was done. 
You know, the Bible says it this way, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride comes before a fall. You can bank on that. Why? Because Peter says it this way, 1 Peter 5, 5. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes arrogance. If you're arrogant, be assured God is against you. If you, uh, if you exalt yourself, be assured you will be humble. That's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But, uh, thankfully on his behalf, this actually has a happy ending. It actually has a happy ending. Nebuchadnezzar actually learned his lesson. And if you look at the verse 34 of Daniel 4, after those seven years was up, he said this. It says, at the end of that time, here's Nebuchadnezzar speaking. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. Remember Roosevelt looking at heaven. I raised my eyes toward heaven. My sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High and I honored and glorified him forever, who lives forever. He learned his lesson. Then he goes on talking about God's justice. He says it this way. He says it this way in verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right. All his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I guess he learned that pretty well. <laughs> praise God for his great justice. Mary's saying that he brings down the rulers. He scatters the proud but he lifts up the humble. He lifts up the humble. Mary was humble. She was a peasant girl. She was shocked that God even thought about her, not alone chose her to be the mother of the Messiah. And then she says this in verse 47 to 48, Luke 1, still in that song, her song of Magnificat. She says it this way. She says, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. He lifted me up. He, he lifts up the humble. God's heart is with the humble. Did you know that? His heart is with the humble. And she was blessed. So you praise him for his justice, his great justice. Praise him for his great mercy. One of the reasons Nebuchadnezzar was struck uh, and take, his, his sanity was taken from him is because he was not willing to show mercy. Daniel warned him. Daniel chapter 4, verse 27, he said this. Renounce, Nebuchadnezzar, renounce your wickedness. By doing what is right and showing mercy to the oppressed. Would he do it? No. No. He wouldn't do it. So God humbled him. God desires us to show mercy. He expects his believers, believers in his son, to show mercy. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he wants you to begin to seek how you can show mercy. Seek how you can help others and start. Start. With prayer. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse, I'm sorry, verse, chapter 4, verse 16. 
God's is. He talks about finding mercy, not only for ourselves, but for those we pray for. He says it this way, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive what? Mercy. Mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why can we approach the throne of grace with confidence? Because we have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who can sympathize with our weakness. He became man and humbled himself. He'd been found in the form of human likeness. Why can we approach the throne of grace with confidence? We have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who was obedient, obedient unto death. And he, he died and rose again, and he's now at the right hand of the Father as our mediator. Yes, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Because we approach it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as a believer in God's only begotten Son. Praise Him. Praise Him for His greatness. So this morning, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord with all your heart, just like Mary. Just like that. Praise Him with a heart of joy. Praise Him with a heart of faith. Praise Him. And pat, she patterned her song after God's Word, just like she patterned her life. We should not only pattern our life after God's word, but our life should be a song. It should be a song of praise. A song of praise. Praise him with all your heart. And then praise him for his greatness. For his greatness. He is the creator of heaven above. The same heaven Roosevelt, ga Roosevelt gazed at when he got the right perspective. The same heaven Nebuchadnezzar looked at when he got his sanity back. God created it all. And he got the right perspective. Nebuchadnezzar said this. It says he raised his eyes toward heaven and praised the most high. He gave God praise. He gave God worship. You know what's been said. Worship helps us to find who we are and why God has placed us here on earth. Worship. When we bow in God's presence with worship, only then are we made complete. When you praise the Lord with all your heart, when you praise the Lord for his greatness and recognize his greatness, when you worship him in that way, no longer are you going to be making mud pies to satisfy your soul. Huh? You're going to be doing what makes you complete. Will you praise him? Let's pray. Father, Lord, you are the great maker of heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord creator of the universe, for sending your son in your love to communicate to us and to save us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us. You lived upon this earth as we are. You, you suffered, Lord. You, you were tempted in every way as we are tempted, yet without sin. You experienced, you can sympathize with us, Lord. You understand us, Jesus, and you died for us and rose again. Thank you. Thank you. And Father, help us all, Lord, to, 
to give you praise, to give praise to you, Lord, as a way of living with joy in our heart and faith in our heart. And help us to remember your greatness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.